Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. What an honor to be with you today. Um, somebody said to me on Saturday, hey, what's your, what's your uh, movie theme that you're preaching tomorrow? I'm like, what? It's movie themes, it's that'll preach. So I'm like, oh dear God, I've already written my message. So I had to do a Google search. So the title of my message today is Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Now, as, as a moment of transparency and just to be, I haven't seen the movie, so no idea. So I had to go onto the IMDB and uh, see what it was about. And apparently it's about a, a guy who, you know, used to get beat up for a living. And uh, then he wonders why there's all these kind of uh, otherworldly entities coming after him to try and wipe him out and there's a destiny that he's got and he's fighting for the battle of the universe and so I'm like wow this sounds pretty awesome but I thought it's a perfect description because most Christians know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities powers thrones and dominions but there is, a, there is a saying, and it's very, very true, that you can be so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly value. And so we don't live, you know, with the pie in the sky at the expense of the steak on the plate while we wait. We believe that, that you know, that the kingdom is at hand. We believe that you can see heaven operating in your life here. If you go to Starbucks, sometimes they'll, they'll have these little trays with these little samplers, these little appetizers, because they're trying to, they're introducing a new product. So they're saying, hey, you can taste this before you even, you know, buy it. Uh, in the same way, we know that heaven's real because I'm experiencing heaven. I'm experiencing heaven here on earth uh, in, in small proportions. But I'm experiencing it here. I know that God is good because of what I've seen him do. I know that God is healing, that God is life, that God is. So I want you to know that even though uh, we, we wrestle against principalities and powers and the battle is a spiritual battle, it is outworked in, in our flesh. It is outworked in the natural. Faith without works is dead. God is raising up the Charlie Kirks and the Candace Owens and the David Harris Juniors and the Steve Bannons. God is raising up these voices. Seth Gruber is preaching at our San Marcos campus today. He's one of the leading voices on protecting the unborn, protecting life in the womb. And uh, why is that? Well, it's because of the silence, the deafening silence of so many pastors who told me, oh, we're not speaking out on this, we're not speaking out on this, we're not speaking out on this. Oh, but the hill we will die on is, you know, is abortion. Uh, we'd always stand up for, for the unborn, absolutely. And then when Roe v. Wade was overturned, just crickets from, from these guys. And, and so God has had to raise up other people to do the works that represent faith. Faith without works is just ethereal. It's just a philosophy. Faith with works brings transformation. Amen? Amen. So today... Uh, is going to be a powerful message. You, you are in a mortal combat, whether you realize it or not. When, when, you, when, you, when you come to church, this, this is what I've heard, uh, when you come to church, uh, people say when you, when you become a Christian, Chris, as soon as you become a Christian, you get a big target on your back. As soon as you give your life to the Lord, it's going to be a big target. The devil's going to make you, he's going to come after you. you got a target, Pastor. There's a target on your back. Now you're a Christian. When you become a Christian, there's a target on your back because you 
And so, so if, I, if, I was, if, I was, if I was sitting there unsaved and I'm thinking, man, my life is jacked up enough. I want to increase the jacked upness in my life. How do I do that? Become a Christian. You get a target. That's all I need. I just need the devil having a greater field day with my life. So can I tell you, you have a target on your back before you become a Christian. In fact, it's not on your, your, your back, it's on your face. Because when the devil sees your face, you carry the image and the likeness of the God who kicked him out of heaven, who dismissed him from heaven, gave him a chance to repent, but when Jesus came, the devil doubled down on his wickedness, and Jesus says, now, now the prince of this world stands condemned. Up until that time, I believe that he had the, the opportunity, but he didn't. Rebellion is the one thing God can't fix. A rebellious heart is one thing. It has to be cast out. It has to be cast out. And so, so up until that time, Satan had the opportunity, but he, he doubled down. So that's when he, he was condemned at that moment. And I want you to know that when you walk into church, you already have a target on you. You already have. The atheist has a target. The, the agnostic has a target. The Buddhist has a Because when, when Satan sees you, you remind him, and he hates you with an intense hatred. So let me tell you what happens when you come into church. Well, why would I come into church? Because you carry a target. When you come into church, in church you get power. In church you get keys. In church you get an anointing. I'm not sure if you realize this, but the, the, the word Christian is just Christian. If you live in Corinth, you're a Corinthian. If you live in Galatia, you're a Galatian. If you lived in Philippi, you were a Philippian. If you're in Christ, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. What does Christ mean? It comes from the Greek word Christos, which means anointing. It means anointing. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. When you become a Christian, there's an anointing. There's power that comes onto your life. There's not just power, but the Scripture will teach you keys on how to unlock that power. I, I can't, for the life of me, I can't understand it, but I kind of do understand it, Joel, uh, the number one criticism that we get at Jenny is, oh, at, at Awakened Church, they, 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 they preach like the Bible works. <laughs> now, they don't say that. You know, had someone preach, oh, you, you, you know, the only reason people, come, your, people come to your church is because you preach the gospel. You preach godliness for gain. Godliness for gain. And, and it says here in, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 8, that these people, and it's like, no, they, they're preaching just to solicit. I'm not preaching to solicit, we do preach that if a man's ways please the Lord, he makes all his enemies to be, be at peace with him, but it's in the Bible, I'm just quoting it. We do believe that, that if you obey these, then you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed going in, blessed going out. We, we believe that when your life, you know, death and life, I set before you death and life. Choose this day life that you may live. I do believe that when you walk in, in the, the, the righteousness of God, you'll find the blessing of God. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. There's a, anyway, so, so we, we get all this, you know, at Awakened Church, they're all good looking, aren't they? 
I don't like the way in church they preach a false gospel. If you go to that church, they're all buying homes. They're all, marriages are like awesome. They're always smiling. You know, they're always smiling. They're smiling. They're all married to beautiful people and the men are good looking. Look, I mean, look at Chris Smith. He, look, he looks like a runway model, doesn't he? Look at him. Look at him. A man from Liverpool, born in Germany, grew up in Ireland, but look at him. I hope Cheryl holds on to him tightly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm unapologetic that, that this, this book works. Yeah. This book works. Yeah. This book works. So today I'm going to preach a little bit about the Word of God. So uh, Psalm 119, 154, Psalm 119, 154 says, Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Revive me according to your word. When you come into the house of God and you give your life to Christ, you already came in with a target. Think, the devil is already against you. He doesn't just decide to be against you when you become a Christian. He may be elevated in his fear and his terror of you. He want to try and keep you from, from discovering keys. Like beautiful Pastor Morgan said, you know, authority has to be exercised. So many of us have authority. We just don't realize what we have. And so we don't exercise. And so we put up with stuff you don't have to put up with. So, so the Bible says, revive me according to your word. Every word from God carries revival. To revive means to make live again. Someone was dead, but we revived them. We brought them back to life. We used to have a, have a song, Back to Life. You bring me, you bring me, you bring me back to life. life. You bring me, bring me back to life. God is a God who brings back to life broken dreams, broken marriages. God, God is a God who brings back to life people who have given up people who have tried everything to break the chains of the addiction they got themselves in. The problem with addiction is I can get myself in, I can't get myself out. I can get myself into a hole, I, can't, I need a community, I need somebody to reach out and pull me out. That's why most people stay addicted because they think, they believe the lie that, you know, I, I, I'm not addicted, I'll give it up tomorrow or next week. Oh, I can break, stop anytime. You can't. You can get yourself in, but you can't. You need other people. You need other people to help get you out. And so, so the word carries revival. Martha said to, to, to Jesus, Jesus, we reached out to you a week ago telling you that Lazarus was sick, but you were too busy, weren't you? you had, and so, yeah, now he's dead. He's been dead four days. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. She's like, it's been four days. Carrier has not invented air conditioning. He's in a non-ventilated cave decomposing in the Middle Eastern heat. By now there'll be a stench. And Jesus says, Martha, did I not say to you if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Roll away the stone. They roll away the stone and Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And immediately the man who was dead came out bound, his feet wrapped in a cloth, his hands bound and his face and Everybody went nuts because the man that was dead came back to life. How? By the Word of God. The Word of God carries life. It carries power. I, I, I have no problem. I have no problem. I, you know, I, like 
criticism is just is just part of the journey and persecution is part of the journey and Jesus had the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law and the religious nutters at those time and so you know you, you don't go into this thing unless you you, you got to develop a little bit of moxie so I, I I know what I'm preaching works and I'll tell you why because the very first book in the Bible the book of Genesis if more people read Genesis or made that their staple, they wouldn't say such stupid things. So the first five letters of Genesis is what, Morgan? The first five letters of Genesis. G-E-N, no, you missed the letter. G-E-N-E. G-E-N-E-S. What does it say? Genes. Genes. So, so in Hebrew, it's the, the word Barashid, which means beginnings. So you, you, your, your genes determine everything. So Genesis tells you every. The rest of the Bible is framed in Genesis. Genesis introduces the Word of God. Genesis 1-3, And God said into the darkness, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And He called the light day, and the darkness He called night. Then God said, Let there be a firmament. It was so. And God said, Let's call it heavens. And then God said, Let the dry ground appear. And it was so. And God said, Let's call it earth. And then God said, Let the ground bring forth trees. And let the ground bring forth foliage. And let the ground bring forth herb bearing plants and fruit bearing plants and all kinds of uh, foliar and flora and flowers and roses and daffodils and colors and fragrances and let it bring forth and behold it was good and then God said let the seas teem with life and from from whales and dolphins and my favorite penguins penguins are my favorite of all the amphibious creatures I love penguins if you ever watch a natural De geographic penguins are awesome Every, every single documentary I've seen on penguins is the same. They're all standing on ice. like There's, there's like a little ice island, and they're all standing there in little tuxedos in faith, believing they're going somewhere. Hey, Whopper, we're all dressed up. Where are we going? I don't know. But come on, man. We got our tuxes on. We got to be going somewhere. Any, any day now, a ship's going to come, and we're going somewhere awesome. There's a party with your name on it. Okay, I'm just going to say. And, they say, and then at night, they go back in. And in the morning, they come back out, and they stand on the same thing. They're waiting for I love them. They, they all look like James Bond. They got their little tuxedos on. Crabs, I don't like so much. Crabs look like they stole something, don't they? They always look like, hey, where's my, honey, where's our wallets? You know, it's like, uh, anyway, so, so, you know, then birds in the sky. And then God said, let the ground bring forth, you know, bees, and then let's make man. Every time God spoke, life followed. Every time God spoke, revive me according to your word. If there is a word preached and it doesn't produce life, it's not the word of God. In the beginning was the, and the word was with God, and the word was God. God is inseparable from his word. God, God cannot say something that isn't. See, the, the, the great, greatest challenge, the great test of every man, his integrity, integrate, integrity, is can he, can he live what he speaks? 
That's why Jesus says, and they'll, they'll be cast out into outer darkness with the hypocrites. Oh, you, you know, you just like a particular political party, don't you? Can I tell you, just have a hypocrite-ometer. Someone tells you you can't have more than five people at your Thanksgiving, and, and then they go to French Laundry, and they're sitting inside dining, $2,000 bottles of wine without masks. It's called a hypocrite. And you're a fool if you vote for them. You're a fool if you follow them. Yeah. I can't believe he just called me a fool. Your actions make you foolish, or your actions make you wise. Choose wisely. Anyway, so God is not a man that he should lie. God, when God speaks, his word never returns to him void. It always accomplishes. So in the beginning was the word. The word for word is logos. Logos, where we get the word logo. Whether you realize it or not, the word was with God. All things were made by him, for him, through him. You are a logos. You are words. A seed came from your father. It was received by an egg in your mother's womb. But the seed carried DNA, deoxyribose nucleic acid. Inside the DNA, they now discovered the complexity of the single cell, which destroys Darwinism, they just don't tell you that. He said if it was ever to be discovered that, that a simple single cell organism is not simple, but complex, my entire theory of evolution would fall apart. But they need evolution. It's their crutch to deny God. But your, your height, your hair color, your eye color, your physical features, skin color, everything, your internal organisms were all in a code, in a language, in words, in that little seed. So four quick points in the 19 minutes I have left. Dear Jesus, how does that happen? Point number one. Point number one, in Mortal Kombat, the first thing you've got to do is change the script. You've got to change the script. See, whether you realize or not, you are operating with a script. You are operating with a script. Your body is scripted. Your DNA has already scripted. I can't change my, 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 my physical features. I can't make myself six feet taller. Not that I want to be six feet tall. I was going to say six inches taller, but yeah. Wow, he wants to be 11 foot nine? What? I can't make myself, that's, that's who I am. I was born in this, that's the script. But it's amazing because a lot of people live with a script over their life that is the accumulation of words spoken over them that they've come to believe about their identity and, the, and it's not rooted or founded in the Word of God. If it's not rooted or founded in the Word of God, may I, may I tell you the first battle is change the script. If the script does not line up with the Scriptures... That's why it's called scripture. Because you can't spell scripture without script. Jesus introduces the scriptures. It is written of me in the scriptures. You search the scriptures in them thinking you'll find eternal life, but you don't see me and therefore eternal life e evades you is what he said to the religious people of the day because the scriptures speak of me. Jesus is in the scriptures. The scriptures have life. 
change the script. When you go to a doctor and you say, doctor, I've, I've got this pain or I've got this, this uh, difficulty in breathing or whatever it is, the doctor will write you a prescription. If you want to enlist in the army or, or the navy or the military, you, you, you are conscripted. When you're conscripted, there's a contract for, for a time, four years, where you are now given your life to, to as a covenant, as a commitment, it's conscription, that you are bound by, by the conscription, the script. There's a scripture, there's script, there's a script over your life. What are we doing in Boise, Idaho? We're going to change the script over Boise, Idaho. What, what are we doing in Salt Lake City? We're changing the script over that city. Over that city, it's, it's religion, it's dead. There's no life. Well, we're going there to bring life and life more abundantly, John 10, 10. What are we doing in San Diego? We're changing the script. What are we doing with people? Well, what's your goal, Pastor? What's your goal when people come into your church? Is it about numbers? No, no, no. It's about changing the script. Every single one of us walk in with a script over our lives. But I want you to know that God wants to change the script that you carry. I had a script over my life. My dad told me that uh, he married my mom because I was an accident, that, that he got her pregnant and therefore he had to marry her. He didn't necessarily want to. I mean, he wanted to sleep with her. He just didn't know if he wanted to pay, pay for it. But, but when, when I got pregnant, there was pressure. And so he married, but he said that I was an accident. So I lived my whole life with a script that I'm an accident, that I'm not meant to be here. Psalm 60 verse 7 in the NLT is, is magnificent. Gilead is mine and so is Manasseh. Ephraim is my helmet producing my warriors. Judah is my scepter producing my kings. This is really important. It's a, it's a powerful insight into how God thinks. He says Ephraim, this is God speaking, Ephraim is my helmet producing my warriors. The Bible says that, he, that, that, that there's a helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is the same as the helmet of Ephraim. Ephraim means fruitful in a strange or a foreign land. Fruitful in the areas of unfamiliar. One of the first things that will happen when you walk into this house is you'll hear the gospel. You'll hear the Word of God preached. And the Word of God will say to you that you can be fruitful in, in a land, in a place that is yet familiar to you, that is yet unknown to you. When I got saved, I knew that I didn't want to be a husband like my father was to my mother who would get drunk and physically beat her. I, I, I knew what I didn't want. I just didn't know, I didn't know how to be. And I remember being so nervous exchanging wedding vows, thinking, I, 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 God, I got no blueprint here. You know, my whole life I would hear these, these preachers and, you know, these leadership gurus say, leadership, you can't lead people somewhere you haven't been yourself. And I understand from an integrity point of view, you got to live it before you preach it. But if I was honest with you, my entire life was leading people where I'd never been myself. I never led six campuses. Within six months, it's going to be nine campuses. I've never led nine... I, 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 never, I, never, I never led a marriage where, where my wife is flourishing. I, I, I've got, I, there was no, nobody handed me a chart and said, this is how you, you raise a kid who, who gets addicted to heroin. This is how you bring him free. I, I, had no, I had no blueprint. Jesus didn't say, follow the map. He said, follow me. 
When you get saved, there's no map. But there is a GPS. There's an internal guidance system. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so I found, I found that, 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 that when God said, leave Sydney and go to San Diego, there were beautiful people saying, why would you leave Australia? You got profile in Australia. If you're going to plan a church, do it in Australia. You're one of the most popular youth communicators. You have 500, you have 1,000 people on your first Sunday. Why would you go to a city you've never been to? To a nation you've maybe been to half a dozen times, if that. No one knows you there. Why would you go? And God said to me, yeah, you can stay in Sydney and you'll build the church on your profile. But you won't need me. Or you can go to San Diego when nobody knows you and you'll have to lean into me. So when I came to San Diego, I came with Ephraim as my helmet. I came with my helmet. My thinking was that I will be fruitful in a foreign land. Ephraim was Joseph's second son. The first one, Manasseh, means God has caused me to forget the pain of my past. The second son he names Ephraim because Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. But those slave traders, the Ishmaelites, took him down to Egypt and doubled down and sold him again. If he didn't believe he was a slave the first time, you just got sold again to the Egyptians. You're not just once a slave, you're twice. It's doubled down. Get it into your head, you're a slave. They bought you and now they sold you. There's a contract, it's written, your life is chattel. You belong to Potiphar. Then it gets worse because Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with him. If Joseph sleeps with her, she ain't saying nothing but because he refuses to sleep with her and runs out of the house to protect herself she says he tried to rape me he stays silent ends up in prison convicted as an attempted rapist for something he never did if it looks impossible it's Joseph Joseph is in a prison he's in a foreign nation he's a foreigner they were not friendly to the Jewish people they were not friendly to outsiders he's he's a foreigner in a prison he's a convicted felon of attempted rape he is twice sold into slavery and yet he comes out because he keeps believing God that God's word works that despite how low I go God's word can still elevate revive me according to your word so Joseph names his first son Manasseh saying I don't even think about the betrayal of my brothers it's not even my thinking anymore I've forgiven them but the second one is God has caused me to be fruitful in a foreign land this is the helmet you gotta wear how do you run a business Colin Higginbottom that makes a billion dollars a year you don't know, but there's somebody on the inside of you with a GPS that's guiding you and he needs you to step into the unknown. How do I transform an entire nation region? It's on the inside. You step out with Ephraim. God has caused me to be fruitful in a foreign land. You don't understand. I come from alcohol addiction. I come from gambling addiction. I come from bad tempers. I come from broken marriages. I come from three generations of divorce. How do I keep it together? I can tell you it's the Word of God. When you get the Word of God on the inside of you, you can be fruitful in a foreign land, in a strange territory, in the unfamiliar, in the unknown. Ephraim. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, Jeremiah 29, 11. Because it all changes here. 
The word repent means to change the way you think, metanoia. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. I want you to notice God doesn't just think thoughts about you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I think thoughts toward you. When you get out of here and you're going in your car and you turn on Sirius radio, you can turn into the, tune into the game and they'll be broadcasting words, giving you a play-by-play of what's happening, whether your team is up or whether your team is down. Or you can listen to God's music, country music. <laughs> and, and songs, words will be playing that'll have a music and a rhythm and a melody, harmony. In the same way, God is broadcasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. And what, what, what's he broadcasting? Thoughts. What, 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 what kind of thoughts? Good thoughts, not evil. Oh, what's the agenda? Future and a hope. Why is he doing that? Because he's hoping. He's hoping that just one of those thoughts will take root. He's hoping you'll just, you just catch and let one of those, those thoughts plant. Did you know every, every thought is a seed? Your life is the harvest of the thoughts, seeds you believed yesterday. If I don't like my life today, it's very, very simple. Change the seed. If you don't like the harvest, change the seed. That's why everything begins with your thinking. Everything changes with your thinking. God says it's a helmet because you've got to protect your thinking. You've got to protect your thinking. Don't just take every thought. Don't just let anybody speak into your life. Don't Listen. Jesus says, you've got to elevate me even above your own mother and father. Well, my daddy said, my mother said, God bless your mom and dad. You need to honor your mom and dad. But if it contradicts this, you have biblical permission to dismiss it. Daddy told me this, but I'm not. Come into it. You've got to break the script. Break the script. That's the first one. Change the script. The second one is change your song. Change your song. Isaiah 54 verse 1. Sing, O barren. Sing, O barren, and you who have not born, for more of the children of the desolate. He comes to a woman who cannot conceive. Barrenness is in her womb. And God says to her, darling, the issue is not your womb, it's your song. Change your song. Stop singing songs like yesterday. All my trouble seems so far away. Now it looks as though. Why are you singing that, John? <laughs> Paul, quit. <laughs> yeah, Paul and Ringo and George. Like, why, why would you bring yesterday into today? Why would you? Don't, don't sing that. Sing, I come into agreement. I break agreement. I break alignment with anything that's outside of God's word. Without, sing songs of breakthrough. Sing songs of victory. Sing, O barren. Begin to sing. Because what you sing about, you bring about. What you sing about, you bring about. Be careful. That's why Satan, who many, many Bible scholars believe was the, was the angel of music, the angel of worship, loves to, to dominate the airwaves where you sing about anything but God. You were created to sing to God. You were created to worship and you were created to sing songs of breakthrough. You were created to sing songs of victory. You were created to praise Him. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. I won't let the stones cry. I won't let the stones cry. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. It's really interesting because God says that Ephraim is my helmet, but Judah is my scepter where I 
produce kings. Judah is a scepter. A scepter is authority. And an authority, the scepter is in the hand of the king. A king governs a region. A king takes care, transforms a region. That's what we call it a kingdom, a king's dominion. When you praise, a scepter is released. And God elevates His kings. If you know anything about, about Israel's history, after, after, during the time of King Rehoboam, after Solomon... The nation of Israel was divided. There were 10 tribes that became known as the kingdom of Israel. And there were two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, that were the other tribe, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. And Judah means praise. And what's very interesting is the most fruitful of all 12 tribes was Judah. Judah was the most fruitful. When you see them lining up for battle, Judah, her armies, her soldiers were almost as much as all 10 other tribes put together. Therefore, if Judah means praise, praise precedes fruitfulness. When you read your Bible, praise always precedes breakthrough. But God says, Judah is my scepter. If you want to rule in this life, praise. If you want to walk in authority, praise. If you want to release God's authority, Psalm 22 verse 4 says that God inhabits the praises of His people. See, the devil wants to shut down praise. How do I know that? Because the number one persecuted people group on the planet to this day, unmatched, unparalleled, is the Jew. The Jew in every century has been earmarked with a genocidal agenda to wipe them off the face of the earth, to wipe them off the face of the earth, to wipe them off the face of the earth, to wipe them off the face of the earth. Being German, I saw Juden verboten, Jew forbidden. They, 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 the final solution was the wiping out of the Jews, not the wiping out of the Israelites, just the Jews. Why? Because Judah means praise. The devil knows if he, can, if he can wipe out the praise of God in the earth, the earth will go back to darkness, will go back to chaos. Because in, God, in praise, in Judah, it, there comes a scepter, authority where kings are raised up. The, the devil can't match God's authority and he can't, marry, he can't match the kings who walk with the scepter of God, who walk with the authority of God. So he wants to shut it down. He, he, he wants to take it away so he goes after praise that's why in 2020 when, when they said oh you know there's a there's a there's a dead deadly pandemic you have to shut down church you can't meet together oh no no it's all right to go to walmart it's all right to go to home depot just church just church you'll you'll kill people if you get no no it's okay go to home depot but just not 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 church and 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 oh, all right you guys are still meeting well then meet outside meet outside meet outside well they they weren't meeting outside they were meeting inside all right well just make sure you you're masked up and no singing no Sing. If you sing, you'll kill people. We actually found the opposite. We found that as we sang, people got deliverance. The reason that that is, the reason that is, is because in the book of Acts, they take Paul and Silas and they beat them with rods and then they chain them to the prison wall. And they're chained to the prison wall after being beaten with rods and now they're imprisoned simply for preaching the gospel. They're falsely imprisoned by the, by the, by the, the Romans and they've been beaten with rods and now chained to a prison wall. And in the midnight hour, they didn't begin to whine and complain. They began to praise. Why did they praise? Because whining and complaining cripples and weakens the inner man. Complaining is the language of victims. 
You don't want to speak. You don't want to release the DNA of victim by complaining. But if you praise, praise is how God raises kings. Praise is how authority is released. So Paul and Silas began to praise in the midnight hour. They just began to praise. And the Bible says, as they began to praise, some of the prisoners were asleep, others were listening intently, but it says that only Paul and Silas were praising. They were singing songs of praise in the midnight hour so that God shook, and shook the prison with an earthquake. Every cell, not just Paul and Silas's, every cell bursted open, every chain and every shackle fell off Paul and Silas and all the prisoners risk so much so that the prison guard felt like throwing himself on his sword because he thought it's chaos and Paul took control of the day but he saw an authority that authority and that freedom and that deliverance was was released when there was praise coming forth change the song what song is coming out of your mouth well you don't understand pastor right now I'm facing loss I'm facing foreclosure man they just repossessed my car we can't afford taxes we can't afford that you know my marriage is on the rocks I, you know I'm overcoming an addiction Begin to change your song. If you change your song, God raises up kings. God puts authority scepters in the hands of those who make a decision to praise. I'm going to praise Him on the mountain. I'm going to praise Him in the valley. Can somebody say amen? amen? Number three. Dear Jesus. Number three. We change the script in Mortal Kombat. We change the song in Mortal Kombat. But number three, we change the spell. Change the spell. Have a look at Exodus 14, 12. Exodus 14, 12. Exodus 14, 12. What's happened is the children of Israel were delivered by God out of Egypt with a mighty hand. There were 10 major gods that Egypt worshipped and God smacked every one of them. God took down, exposed every one of them that they were inferior. And then God delivers them with a mighty hand. And the Bible says they, they come out of Egypt rejoicing. They come out of Egypt with the silver and gold of all the Egyptians. They come out seeing the power of God. This is awesome. And the Bible says they get all the way to the Red Sea and, and they look, they can see the promised land, but it's on the other side of a Red Sea. That's how I know that God is a boy. Because details, yeah, not his strong suit. Headlines, brilliant, just like a boy, but details, no. Like God says, I'll deliver you from the land of Egypt, a land of bondage, and behold, I'll take you to a land I myself have chosen, a land flowing with milk and honey. And you'll live in houses you didn't build. You'll drink water from cisterns you never dug. You'll drink wine from vineyards you never planted. You'll eat fruit from orchards you never had to harvest. I'm sending you there, land flowing with milk and honey is gonna be wonderful. And they're like, Moses, what? What, what part of Red Sea? He thought he never told me. God, what about the Red Sea? Oh, I must have forgotten in my zeal, in my excitement. To... <laughs> so standing at the Red Sea, it gets worse because they're like, we've got elderly and we've got little kids. We didn't have time for swimming school while we were slaves. <laughs> How are we getting across it? Well thought out, Moses. Moses like, come on, God, what the? And then they hear it hear a rumble, the earth begins to, to shake and there's a dust cloud as Pharaoh sends his iron chariots and his army, his armies to go and capture Israel and bring them back. He's just lost his slave labor force. And then this is what the, the children of Israel say to him. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better 
for us to serve the Egyptians and we should die in the wilderness. Is this not the Word that we spoke over you? That we're living under a script, that we're living under a Word. I moved to Australia from Germany when I was three. I started school when I was five. My mother, when we moved to Australia, didn't speak English. So guess what she never taught me? English. So I rock up to school on the first day, not realizing that nobody understands German. So I'm running up to kids going, Hallo, wer heißt du? Meine Name ist Jürgen. Willst du mit mir spielen? And kids are like freaking out. One year later, I've now learned some English and my mom and dad have this massive row. And so when dad's car pulls out the driveway, she makes me get changed out of my school uniform. A cab, taxi cab pulls up and we're on our way to the airport. She bought a one-way ticket and we're leaving dad. We're moving back to Germany. So we get back to Germany and because this was like a forever thing at that time, uh, I have to go to Schule, I have to go to school. So, you know, at school, I get to school and, you know, writing, reading, writing and arithmetic are the, the three basics of, of, of any good education program. So they, they were doing spelling bees. I'm not sure if you've seen German words. German words, Chris. Dear Jesus. It's like, we are German and because we're German, we're engineers. And because we think we are so superior, what we do is we take an entire sentence and squash it into one word. <laughs> So English, yes, they have to have a whole sentence with gaps on commas and We just make it one word. <laughs> so the word for joy, the word for happy. Now, if you said to me at six, spell joy, I could probably do it. Happy, I could get it kind of pretty close. Your word, little German boy who is living in Australia, your word is happy, joy in German, Gemütlichkeit. <laughs> Come on, Gemütlichkeit, happiness. <laughs> like what the heck? So true story, about six months later, mum and dad patched things up. We were on a plane back to Australia, get back to Australia. And now I've forgotten nearly all my English. And now there's a spelling bee in Australia. And so I'm back up on the, on the and now you're in front of all your clients. You don't want to look like an idiot. And you're like, come on, give me an easy word. Give me an easy word. And your word is hypotenuse, hypotenuse. You might want to put it in a sentence. I saw a hypotenuse at the zoo. It was in Savata. That's a hippopotamus. I mean, you're up there going, come on, give me cat. Give me cat. I can spell cat. Give me cat. It's so simple. I can spell cat. K-A-T. Give me cat. Give me cat. I know it. I... I'm just kidding. It's got two T's. And... Did you know that every word has a spell? That's why we call it spelling. Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. Every word has a spell. When a witch casts a hex, she uses words. When a warlock puts a curse or puts a spell on people, he uses words because every word has a spell. The preaching of the gospel, gospel comes from the old English God spell. What do we do in San Diego? What do we do in Salt Lake? What is our assignment at Awakened Church? Our, our, our assignment is this. We recognize people live under the spell of words spoken over them. They said of Jesus, Andrew and Philip were saying, man, we found the Messiah. You found, we found him. Where, where was he? He was in Nazareth. 
<laughs> yeah, oh man, I almost believed you. No, for real. What can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is ghetto. Surely it can't produce anything good. There are words, there are script over cities. There are words over cities. There are words over towns. There are words over families. Hey, I don't want you hanging out with the fill in the blank family they're trouble they're no good that you know they're, they're all all their kids are in prison they're, they're, there's something broken over that family and those poor kids they live with a with a word they're associated to that family by and a word and, and that word has a spell because every word has a spell our job is to break the spell when you come in here, the reason we preach the gospel is to bring you out from under the spell of that, to bring you under the spell of heaven, to bring you under a different word, to put a different power in play over your life. It's called the God spell. The God spell says that you are blessed in the city and you are blessed in the country. You're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out, that you are the head and not the tail, above only, not beneath, that you will lend to many and borrow from none, that you will flourish, that if you plant yourself in the house of God, that your leaf shall not whether you bring forth your fruit in season and everything that man does shall prosper. We want to bring you into a place where there is a new spell, where you break the negative spells. Do you know, in my life, I remember one of the spells was my, my, my father, one of the last times he beat my mother, I was 15. And I tried to protect my mother. I tried everything to protect her, but he was physically strong. And I remember him knocking me to the ground and picking up a chair because he was drunk in a rage. He tried to break it over my head. I remember just feeling so inferior. And I remember him cursing me and telling me that I, that I don't have what it takes to stand up and how dare I ever defy. And, and, and I, I remember a spell came over me that I don't have what it takes to be a man. And I, and I thought, well, it's just because I'm 15, but as soon as I turned 18, but I found, that, I found that I was still skinny and I still felt weak and I still felt so broken and so dysfunctional in so many areas. You, if you ask Pastor Colin, he'll tell you, my, my biggest struggle was leading a men's ministry. When God said, I want you to lead a men's ministry, I'm like, God, like the, the least qualified I, is me. I could preach to youth, I could preach to crowds, but preaching to men about manhood, it was the one, I was under a spell. And then I had to allow the gospel to break that, that spell. When you come into this house, there's a word that comes forth from the scriptures to change your song so that we can change the spell. Come under the God spell. Come under, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Come under, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come under, the my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Come under the spell that says that you're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Come out from under and come into. Now just, I've got to land, I've got to land, I've got to land. Jenny, what do we call a whole bunch of words put together and then it has a period we call it a we call it a sentence what, what do we call it Jenny if if I was found guilty of a crime and I go to court and there's a jury and the jury looks at all the evidence and my fingerprints is all over it and then the judge issues a verdict what's that called good girl it's called a sentence isn't it it's a, so it's a, do you know Every single one of us live under a sentence. I met a man recently in Hawaii. And 
you know, he was my driver to the conference and I just began to ask him about life. And he said that life wasn't easy for him. Because at 19, he got caught up in the wrong crowd. At 21, he went to prison for five years. He said, but after five years, when I, when I was paroled, when I left the penitentiary, he said, I got led to Christ. So the only book they let us read was the Bible. He says, I look back and to me it was Bible college. He said, but then I started going to church and fell in love with the, the keyboard player like Chris Smith did. But he didn't have to go to prison to do it. He said, but what was so difficult was I knew she liked me. He said, but I, I felt like I could never, I could never be with her because how do I ask her father for permission? He said, even though I did my time for the crime that I committed, even though I paid back to society five years of my life that I'll never get back, he said, something was hanging over me. There was a sentence. Even though I finished my sentence, there was still a sentence that you're a felon, you're an ex-con, you're a criminal, you're no good, nobody wants you. No, no, no godly man would let his beautiful daughter marry a prisoner, marry a criminal, marry a convicted felon. If you were walking past a newsstand and you had no, no intention to buying a newspaper, but as you're walking past, you look and you read something, you thought, oh, and you change and you buy the newspaper. What was it that you saw on the newspaper? You saw the what? The headline. You saw the headline. It was just a sentence. Man from prison, not good enough. What's the headline over your life? Everybody has a headline. My headline was on never be enough. I'll never be a, a real man. I don't have what it takes to be a real man. I'm an accident. I don't know how many girls I've spoken to and even young men. Mum and dad got divorced. They never said it with their words, but the action left such an indelible impact that they feel that I mustn't be very valuable because I cried, I pleaded, I begged, Mum and dad, please, please, I don't wanna go to school on Monday and be the kid in the class whose mum and dad got divorced. All my other friends, they got a mum and dad in the home. I don't want to be that kid that, that goes from one weekend or a couple of weeks a month with me. Please, mummy, please stay together. And, and mum and dad go their own ways. And the child lives with a headline, a line above their head that I am not worth. I don't have value. I... It's amazing how many women have sold themselves into prostitution or the sex industry because there wasn't a man there to change the headline over their life. My first assignment when I got married to Leanne was to change the headline. It took me so long. I didn't preach this in any of the other services. But when Leanne was in the fifth grade, when she was in the fifth grade, she was not good at math. Math is not her strong suit. So she said she used to love math because she'd take math class to daydream. She said she's looking out the window and then the teacher asked her an algebra question and she said he may as well have been talking French. So she just gave an answer, made it up and of course she got it wrong. So he says, right, I'm sick of you. Get your chair, get it out from under your desk and bring it with you to the front. So he makes her carry her chair to the front and then he says, now I want you to sit under the blackboard. 
Back then, this was before whiteboards and markers. We had blackboards that weren't black, they were green. And we wrote with chalk. But anyway, so sitting under the blackboard that is green, he takes the chalk and he writes D-U-N-C-E with an arrow. And then the leads the entire classroom into a chant. Dance, 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 dance. Ha 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 ha, laughing. It was, it, was, it was imprinted into her that she was dumb. When, when we first got married, Morgan, I'm so embarrassed because every marriage argues. Dr. Bryan says, if you're not arguing, your marriage isn't working. So our marriage was working quite well because we're arguing all the time. But it was amazing. I, I realized no matter what I said, nothing, nothing, nothing carried as much power as when I'd call her stupid. As soon as I said, oh, you're just stupid. I, I, I would watch, I would watch her. And I was so, I was so stupid, Pastor Shelley, that I thought oh, I won the argument. had no idea, had no idea that dunce was the word spoken in school. She has four sisters, two of them with double degrees. They would speak to her about being stupid. She left school at the end of her sophomore year. She thought, well, what's the point of school I don't have? But I'm telling you, the wisdom that Leanne carries, the platform she's, all four of her sisters Leanne has more wisdom in her pinky than all four of her educated and degreed sisters combined. And it wasn't until I had an encounter with God where God said to me, you need to quit complaining about the condition of your bride and your marriage. She's a product of your husbandry. And I'm like, what are you? He said, it's the words you've been speaking over her that have created a sentence. You married her and there was already a spell. There was already a sentence. I am stupid. I am And then you partner with the devil, with the dark one to reinforce that. When I brought her into your life for you to be the farmer, Jurgen means farmer, for you to be the husband, for you to break that spell and bring her in under another spell. So I began to say, babe, you are so wise. You are so, I've, I've got to be honest with you. I don't make any decisions without running it by her. Her wisdom, her insight, her discernment on relational things, on people. That I would have train wrecked this church so many times had I not first run a decision by Leanne. Her wisdom is incredible. Pastor Colin calls her a little miniature Buddha covered in bling. Why he says that, I don't know, but let's just say she's wise. I don't know where that's going, but she's wise. She has great wisdom. But God said to me, you got to break the spell. You gotta change the script. You gotta change the song. You gotta change the sentence. The President of the United States of America has the authority to commute sentences. I know someone with more authority than the President. His name is Yeshua ben Elohim, Jesus the Son of God. Did you know that Jesus commuted your sentence? Well, hang on, how do you know that? Because the Bible says the handwriting, Colossians 2.14, 
and Jesus took the handwriting that was against us. There was a sentence written about your life, about Morgan Irvin's life in hell, Jenny Irvin's life, Colin Higginbottom's life. There was a sentence over Joel Piper's life written in hell, Dana Piper's life written in hell. There was a sentence over your life written in hell. Jesus took the handwriting that was against us and nailed it to the cross and then climbed up over it and bled all over it. It's not even legible. You can't even read because his blood cancels out. I want you to know Jesus is here to commute your sentence. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I want you to know Jesus has commuted your sentence. He's broken the spell that you've been living under. He's changed the script. All you got to do is change the song. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that brings life. Today I break alignments and I break every agreement with the lies, with the words that do not line up with the Word of God. I come out of agreement and I break those alignments. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can be who God says I am. And I declare today that I am victorious in Christ Jesus. I declare today that God always leads me to triumph in Christ Jesus, no matter what I face. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Now, if you believe that, give God a great praise. Come on, give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.